Purify our hearts, O God, that they may speak clearly your good news, that we may be examples in our outward doings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, bronze kettles. They were the Episcopalians of that day. (laughs) There is tradition, and there is tradition. Some of you get emails like I do, so many that you delete them, but I opened this one up from a friend of mine and said, you'll know you're an Episcopalian if when you watch Star Wars, they say, may the Force be with you, you automatically reply, and also with you. In words like vouchsafe, oblation, supplications, succor, bewail, wherefore, dusts, and vary, according to the ancient Eurusinks, are familiar to you, even if you don't have a clue of what they mean. <laughs> You're an Episcopalian if you can rattle off such tongue twisters like, who made there by his one oblation of himself once offered a full and perfect sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, without missing a beat. (laughs) If your choir director, attention in the back row, suggests discussing something over a beer after choir rehearsal. (laughs) If you ever find yourself saying, oh, but we've never done it that way before. (laughs) You're an Episcopalian if you know that senior warden and junior warden are not officers of the local constabulary. And you're Episcopalian if you're asked, sister or brother, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And you respond, isn't that a bit selfish? (laughs) You get the idea. We are a people rooted in tradition. I can still remember coming to St. Wolfram's from Christ the King, Frankfurt, Germany. And my predecessor had some very definite ideas about what was right and what was wrong in an Episcopal parish. It was wrong to change the 1928 prayer book. You will maintain that book forever and ever, and all services will be done from it. You're wrong if you're a priest and you stood behind the altar facing the congregation rather than in front of the altar with your back to the congregation. It was wrong for women to serve at the altar except to polish the silver and brass and set up the communion vessels. In short, it was pretty much wrong if you did anything except what he was taught when he had gone to seminary and practiced all his life. Now, tradition is to be honored, but I understand the washing of food before it is prepared, the washing of hands before I eat it, 
but I'm not sure that I understand the tradition of a kosher kitchen. I understand the former because I know about germs and sickness. I don't understand the latter because I'm not a Jew. But to a Jew, it may be explainable. Or keeping a kosher kitchen might be one of those ancient traditions whose meaning has been lost in the ages but only repeated out of respect for the past. For some time after coming to St. Wilfred's, I maintained a 1928 prayer book service. But there came the time when I needed to make a change. And I got up in front of the 1928 prayer book service congregation, and I said that we're getting more and more. We had two services with Sunday school at that point, And I said, we're getting more and more children. We were in a smaller building. We're getting more and more children here, and I want to do a service with the language that the children are going to understand, which is not the Elizabethan English 1928 prayer book. And therefore, we're going to drop the 1928 prayer book service. Bob a member of the congregation who had made me promise on the 1928 prayer book that I would do his burial from the 1928 prayer book, stood up. I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said, if we're gathering more and more children, then they need to understand our worship. We need to, I do, and we all need to support the rector in this change. Tears came to my eyes as he suggested that. For a man who was embedded in that language and that service to say, it's time for a change, meant a whole bunch to me. St. Wilfred's, as you all well know, has gone under many changes in the ensuing years, too many to enumerate. And the changes continue to be made We have all kinds of changes in our church, and some are for the better, some are for the worse. But why do we change? Why is it imperative for us? It seems to me that the question really is, do these changes merely cater to styles and appearance, or do they attempt to bring us closer to our Creator in worship and personal devotion? Do we still have sacred cows that would be threatened by change, or are we open to leading the leading of God's Spirit into more challenging and inspiring experiences of the holy? Have we, as God's people, reached the zenith of sacred expression so that there is no need for further consideration of alternatives? Or are we a people anxious to explore even further the possibilities of God's grace through community and individual prayer? Are we willing to take time to be unsettled in order to succeed or maybe sometimes fail in new endeavors? Are we so concerned about our own tastes and our own ease with what we have, that we forget our call to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And come into what? That that we enjoy? Or to come in to hear the exciting good news? 
It is easy for Episcopalians to view this structure as our own chapel of ease. That is, where we come merely to be comforted. I remember one lady responding when it challenged about doing evangelism to go out to bring people new in. She said, everybody who should be an Episcopalian already is. Somebody asked after I preached this sermon if uh, there's discontent about the changing of service times or something like that. And no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about why we do things, be they traditional or be they new. We need to see this building as a house for mission-minded community that wants to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to all who will listen. And we can do that in a variety of ways, at a variety of times, in a variety of styles. Worship has always been a strong suit for the Anglican Christian. We need to look at our roots carefully and use them to nourish not only ourselves, for truly we need food for the journey as well, but for those who are unacquainted with our heritage. Let us have our eyes clearly on the mission of the church and be excited about how we can accomplish this mission for all people. Amen. Amen.